0: Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to cynthiahyatt.com. That's C I N T H I A H I E T T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we have been doing this dating series. Dating is hard to do. Yes, it is in the 21st century. And so we have been focusing on this whole idea of dating and how we do that as a Christian, how we do it in today's world. And we have two more shows left in this series, this week and next week. And today we are going to talk about myths, dating myths and deal breakers. So we're going to look at that kind of extensively as best as we can in this short hour. And hope to give you some ideas about what may be some myths that you believe that maybe you don't even realize you believe and how to look at deal breakers and be realistic about deal breakers. So let's just start. Let's just jump in. And I like this, uh, the way that this gentleman put it together. His name is Ben Young. I don't know him personally, but I really like some of the way that he put this together. And so one of the first myths that we can identify is that all you need is God. And so I want you to think about this story as I tell you about this couple. Let's say this couple meets at a wedding reception, and they, they are introduced by a mutual friend. They hit it off immediately, and the first thing they start talking about is their love for God and this passion they have for helping others. And so they each grew up in you know maybe a non-denominational or a faith-based, it's more evangelical, and We'll say this one lady's name is, her name is Beth, and she's always been enamored with South America, and she's actually never been there, but she really feels like God may be calling her there. And Glenn, let's say his name is Glenn, was completing his final year, maybe training for missions, work, and plans to go to Argentina. So aside from those similarities, these two have nothing else in common. And I can't tell you how many times I see this happen, is that we have this tendency maybe to connect on a spiritual level, and we think that, well, if we connect this well spiritually, that's all we need. This is going to make the relationship. And so what, we do, what happens is when I look closer at that couple, and this happens many times in my office, I find out that they connect really well spiritually, theologically. They love to talk about God. They have a passion for the same thing. But their temperaments are very different. Maybe one's an introvert, one's an extrovert. Um, maybe there's a huge age span of over 10 years there's a huge maybe educational difference. And, and they look at money very differently the way that they manage money. Maybe they have different desires and dreams about what their lifestyle is gonna look like. One wants to have children, the other doesn't wanna have children. And so what we find is that maybe in that spiritual realm, they really connect on all points. But socially, they do their social life very differently. Financially, they have very, very divergent um, philosophies on money. When it comes to intellectual, one maybe loves to learn and loves to read and loves to research, and the other has absolutely no desire to do that, just wants to be out in the world doing things. Maybe physically, they're not compatible at all. Maybe they have, different, they have a huge age gap. Maybe um, one loves the outdoor and one likes to work inside. And so certainly... As adults, we can maybe bridge some of these gaps. But what I want you to think about is this myth that if I connect with someone spiritually, then everything else will be taken care of. And what I want you to realize is that there are so many components that go into making a relationship that works. And absolutely, spirituality is a huge component. But you also have to look at the complexity of how each person is made. And, and I can tell you the truth, it, making successful marriages work, there's a lot of wisdom in, in having as many things work together as possible because marriages always require work. So if we can cut down on the amount of work, we're going to do much better. And so we want to look at all these different areas and see, do I actually like this person or do I just connect with them spiritually? And it's very exciting. So do am I attracted to this person? Do I like how they take care of themselves? Do I like how they interact with other people? Am I proud of them? Do we have the same value system when it comes to how we treat other people, where our priorities are in relationships, how we do our finances? So myth number one is all we need is God. And if we, if we both love God, then everything will work out. So I want you to really take into consideration the complexity of each, each person that's involved in the relationship and making sure that we have as many points that are connecting as we possibly can. So myth number two, let's look at this. If you love God enough, he will give you a soulmate. Now, this is one of the most misinterpreted spiritual principles, and it's usually taken from Psalms 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so if we take this the wrong way, this general principle can lead to A form of mechanical thinking about God, and that praying hard enough, seeking His will long enough, waiting patiently, will somehow guarantee a mate. Now, all these things are important when it comes to our spiritual relationship with God, but we can't manipulate God into bringing us a partner, and we have to trust that He has perfect timing. And some of us are are guilty of approaching God, you know, like He's this, you know, big guru, big uh, genie in the sky. And some more, or Santa Claus, and somehow if I'm doing, all the, doing too many bad things, he's not rewarding me with a, with a spouse. And so if I just get my act together and, and do the right thing and be a good person and follow all the rules, then, then he's going to give me a spouse. And I can tell you the truth, you know, a great majority of my caseload are married people. And so God oftentimes uses our dysfunction even to bring us together. And so it isn't like the married people are the ones that have it all together and they now finally get the prize because they've done everything right. So it's very important that, that we don't buy into this myth that if I just love God enough and do it right, he's going to bring me that special person. Because it's very difficult for us as we are in relationship with God to be able to discern my desire, the desires that, that I have acquired because of the culture I live in, Um, many other maybe reasons of woundedness that I've decided that that's my desire. And really, the desire that God has for my life and that desire is that I become more Christ-like and that I do fulfill the calling that he has on my life. And and the thing that's hard for us many times to, to hear or to realize is that marriage is not a calling. Now, if I am married, I am called to be a good wife. But being married is not a calling. And so it's important that you realize that your calling has everything to do with God's unique design and purpose for your life to bring the kingdom here on earth. And if he uses a marriage to do that, that's fine. But that's not the primary issue when it comes to finding a soulmate. So it's very important that we understand that loving God is not enough to bring us a soulmate and that you somehow are doing something wrong because you don't have one. So how about this? There's just one special person for you. There's just one. Now, now, wouldn't that be nice? You know, the notion that someone out there is specifically designed just for you. And many people, we might carry this hope that God or fate or some other cosmic force has set this one person apart for me, and I'm going to find them. Now, th- this you have to understand that there are six billion people walking around on the Earth. And one true soulmate for you, that would be mind-boggling. What we do know is that you can't get along with everybody and marry everybody. I tell people all the time, one of the reasons to break up is because you can't get married. Because the majority of people, they break up or they get married. And so we have to break up to get to the person that we're going to marry So it's really important to understand that there are probably several different people at different points in your life that can work for you as a good partner. Now that doesn't mean that everyone you meet is possible. It is a very, very special thing when you find the person that works because it isn't that easy and people are very complex and timing has a lot to do with it, where they're at in their life, where you're at in your life, what God is doing in both of your lives. And so it is a miracle when you find that one special person. But to have this, this concept or this idea that there's only one person in the whole entire world that is meant for me is, is somewhat uh, naive. And the enemy can really use that against us because we end up believing that this, this one person is there and it's, it's so hard to find them and that if we don't do everything right... That we're going to miss that person. So we believe that God delights in our ability to choose and exercise responsible judgment within the context of his greater will for all mankind. So it's important that we use common sense and good judgment in the dating process. And, and we don't necessarily assume that God has just that one person picked for us because we're all at different points in our life. And who I may have, might have picked when I was in my 20s, who might have been good for me there, is different than who I might pick when I'm in my 40s. And so we want to really take seriously the process God is doing in our lives. So how about this, myth number four. There is only one true Christian way to find a mate. And, and you know we see this proliferation of Christian books claiming to be the one true way to find your marriage partner. And there's this common theme that, you know, throughout that this idea that any form of modern dating is anti-Christian and unspiritual. And we've kind of crossed that barrier, thankfully. But there is this tendency to think that there's only one true way. And some of us fall into that courtship model that that's really the true biblical way. And, and yes, it is talked about a lot in the Bible. And what we want to realize is that God is a God that is current to every culture and every Uh, time that that people are locked in. And so courtship dating might work for some people. I'm certainly not against it. But I don't want us to get locked into a formula as a way to to let God help us find that soulmate, that partner, that there are a lot of ways God may do that. And we want to really be open to how God might bring that person across our path. And a lot of that has to do with doing the day that I'm in and doing it well. And not making life changes based on some hope or dream that I have of finding someone. But truly doing the calling that God has on on my life for that day. Whether that seems like it's impossible that I would ever meet someone, that really is God's problem. So it's really important that I do the day that He has given me, I do that day well. And I let God be the one that orchestrates bringing that person toward me. And I work on being open. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about myth number five when it comes to dating. I hear the whispers in my well, thank you for joining me. And this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I always want to encourage you Visit my website at cynthiahyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. Cynthiahyatt.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, that's Cynthia Hyatt Inc. And that's I-N-C for incorporated. You can like that page and lots of devotions and inspirational um, things that, that get posted on that uh, Facebook page. It'll also tell you what radio shows are coming up, where I'm performing or speaking. So always love it when you give me feedback, and you can always email me at CynthiaHyatt at com. So we left off on this uh, myth number four, which was there is one true Christian way to find a mate. And I want you to realize that al- although in the Bible it's generally arranged marriages is the majority of how that, that occurred, it also is um, a lot of different dating selections that, that that was part of the process of finding a mate in the Bible. But what the Bible does is it really has the selection according to the social customs of the time. So it specifically documents marriage by capture or by arrangement. And if we think about, you know, some of the funny ways that, that the Bible talks about finding a mate. I mean, we see Samson flat out tells his parents, go get that woman for me. Uh, You know, we have Jacob who waited, you know, seven, 14 years as he is working to have Rachel. So we have a lot of different ways that, that God had arranged marriages uh, in the Bible. So we want to be really sensitive that, that this whole idea of understanding that dating is a fine and legitimate social practice. And courtship, that's fine if people want to practice that. But what you want to really look at is what is working in the life that I am living. And so it may be that if you're in college, wow, you're around people all the time. You're getting introduced to people all the time. But it may be that if you're in the work world and and you're single and you're at a job where it is taboo, you know, and, and um, you, you could get in a great, uh, great amount of trouble if you date one of your coworkers, then it may be that you need to be doing online dating or these types of things. And and I know that that's uncomfortable, but I, I want you to consider the fact that at some point we have to say, you know, this is where the culture is taking us and there's nothing sinful about online dating. And people have this tendency to, to think, well, oh my gosh, they can lie and, you know, say they're somebody that they're not. And, and what we find is that, you know, people do this all the time, whether they do it online or whether they do it at churches, whether they do it at parties. Dating is always about finding out who the person really is and if that person is really going to work for you. And so online dating offers a great amount of opportunity and possibility, and you need to learn to do it well if that's what you choose to do. And so you want to be careful the amount of time that you spend on it, the amount of money. Um, I want you to be very careful about how much time you spend just in emailing back and forth. You really need to meet the person face-to-face. And so it's really important that, that you understand that at, if you are um, an adult over the age of 30, 35, and you're you know pursuing you're going through the dating process again. It is a tiresome process in many ways. And everyone that I know um, shares that same lament that it is kind of exhausting, tiring, can be kind of overwhelming and kind of discouraging. And so you want to just keep saying to yourself, you know, God, if, if that's I, I'm presenting my desire to you and if that's the only you know way available to me, then I'm going to trust that I'm going to put my effort in to that goal and you're going to do the rest. And so you you use that as a part of your relationship with God, that you're asking him for wisdom. You're asking him for strength. You're asking him for encouragement. And you're saying, you know, I don't know any other way to do it, but I do know this is something I desire. And then you continue to work on being the person that you would want to date. And we talked about that in, in the last show. So myth number five, follow your heart. Now, this is a myth in many ways. So it doesn't mean that how you feel isn't important, that our our feeling, our emotional realm can give us a lot of really good information. You know, we talk about, you know, we have an internal radar and when those, those, uh, you know, red lights start going off or when the sirens start to sound, we want to take note of that and say, you know, this person looks great on the outside, but why am I feeling uneasy? What's bothering me? Why are the dots seeming to not connect for me? And we want to be able to discern between my heart, my head, and what may be woundedness or injury in myself, what might be dysfunction in myself that may misperceive what is occurring. And so it, it's an it's a all-encompassing endeavor when we go about dating because that's what relationships are intended to be. Relationships are intended to help us work on our self and wholeness so it addresses the person in its entirety. So I, I frequently tell clients, you know, God gave us a head and a heart for a reason. If we, if we only had a head, we would never date anybody. <laughs> we would never be with anybody. We'd probably talk ourselves out of everyone. If we only had a heart, we would never leave anyone. We would never be able to walk away. We would never be able to say no. So what's important here is that we really look at this whole idea of our emotions and can I trust them? And Dr. James Dobson has a great book, and it's called Emotions, Can You Trust Them? And he explains that emotions are oftentimes unreliable. He also concludes that while emotions can serve as an important function, they can be biased, whimsical, and at times tyrannical. And, you know, I love the saying, um, my emotions shield me from the truth, oftentimes. And oftentimes my emotions hide the truth from me. And so we really want to be careful, as we're starting to have all those emotional feelings about this person, that we take some time to untangle what all those emotions are, whether they are true and they are um, feelings that I need to be uh, taken seriously, that I need to be listening to, or if they're feelings based out of my own insecurity, based out of my own woundedness or injury or or. Uh, maybe my unwillingness to grow, maybe I have some legalism, maybe I have codependency, whatever that may be, what, what are those feelings telling me about me and how can I make sure that what they're telling me about that other person is true? And so usually what I tell clients about that is time. Time never lies. Time never, never lies. And, and in our culture today, we are really not allowed to take time. And I want to really encourage you to take time. And if you're with someone that will not take time, that would immediately be a red flag. Because people are worth time. And if you are wanting to build a relationship, then it takes time. You have to see the person in many different settings. You have to experience them in many different ways. You have to see if they have self-control, if they're able to practice patience, if they're able to put effort into something that, that they value, if they're able to work for a relationship. So it's imperative that we give God time and we trust time to God. And and if any of you out there that are dating are older, I really can understand that feeling that I'm running out of time. And what I have found in my life is God is so in control of time and so in charge of time that he never loses anything. And so I have found in my own life, I can really, really trust God with time. So I want to really encourage you today. If you're an, thirties, your forties, your fifties, sixties, seventies, even if you're in your twenties and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to find someone. And I want to have children and a family that it's really, really important that we trust God's timing, that he is very capable of making things come together for our good and for the plans that he has for us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about myth number six. Don't worry. You'll just know. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome back to Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I always want to remind you to please visit my website, at CynthiaHyatt.com. There's a lot of different things on the website. There's a media page that has um, a lot of the radio um, on it. It also has some videos that you can watch that I've done and uh, different songs that I've also performed. So I really encourage you to look at that. It also has a section that lists a lot of the lectures that I do. um, If you need a keynote speaker... I also can tailor make any lecture to fit whatever the event it is that you have. So that's CynthiaHyatt.com at dot t.com. So we are looking at myth number 6. Don't worry, you'll just be, you'll just know. So what what we want to find out is that there is a part of us when it comes to our emotionality that we really will know because part of that knowing is what gives us the courage to take that next step. But what, we ha- what happens sometimes is that we think that if we falter at any point in the relationship or if we start to have any kind of trepidation or uncertainty or we get scared about that person that maybe we can't trust that I know this is the right person. And so it's important that we recognize what goes on while we're in that dating process. And so there are certainly legitimate things that we want to be looking at and I always want you to say to yourself when you're dating someone that you know you always want to look at the facts what are the facts about this person not just how I feel about them what are the facts about this person so you might run down the list of facts and say you know can I trust this person well this person has a full-time job and they're very successful at it even if they don't maybe make a ton of money they're very responsible they love their job they do their job they appear to be an adult. They can practice self-control. Um, they're not indulging in a lot of the red flags like addictions or financial problems or anger issues, control issues. Uh, I, the facts are I like how this person interacts in public. They're a polite person. You know, they, um, I can be proud of them when I'm with them. I'm not feeling like I have to make excuses for them. The facts about this person are they, they don't appear to lie. I haven't seen any of that. Maybe in the three to six months you've been with them. You know, and so you want to really look at what are the facts about this person. And so the facts help us when we are feeling uncertain, like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting that weird feeling. I don't like how they did this. Or we had a really bad fight, and now maybe I really can't trust them. Or they did something that we don't understand. And so it's important that we are able to, to understand that there's this myth that says, well, I don't have to worry about it, I'll just know, and then I'll never have to revisit it again. So it, it would be ridiculous, and I tell any clients or, or people that I'm actually marrying, I, I'm an, an ordained minister, and they, you know, they come up to the wedding date and they're like, I don't think I can do this, I'm scared. And I always say to them, good, you have a healthy respect for marriage. Because those are the safest people, the ones that really realize what a big deal it is to do. So this, this myth that, oh, I'm just gonna know it's okay and I don't have to revisit it anymore and I never have to look at anything or address anything. This is like, blind, I'm going on blind faith. And so the, the decision to be with someone needs to be balanced with objective criteria, common sense, and subjective desire. So I want to look at the facts, and then I also want to look at what's the chemistry here? Because I, I really want to make very certain that many of you realize that chemistry is very, very important. There are a lot of people we might be compatible with, but for some reason they just don't do it for us. And so that's one of the reasons we have that feeling that there's only one person. Because chemistry is a very complicated and elusive quality. Uh, researchers have been researching for years this, I, this concept of ch- chemistry, and they cannot figure out what it is that makes that happen between two people. So one of the reasons that chemistry is so important is that is, it, it, it is the thing that causes me to cover a multitude of sins. It's a thing that causes me to be able to overlook. And, and irritations or things that might drive everybody else crazy. They just don't seem to bother me that much because there's just something about that person. It helps me to get through those really big trials where I might just want to throw up my hands and say, I'm done, because there's just something about that person, and it causes me to have the energy to continue to work on their relationship, to continue to heal, to forgive, to move on, and have a new beginning. So it's imperative when we look at this whole idea, this this myth, is that we're very careful that we need very objective criteria and at the same time we also need to value the subjective criteria when it comes to dating so this last one that we're going to look at we're going to do this in the next segment is myth number seven and that's there is someone for everyone and and we're going to look at what does that one really mean because society puts a high premium on marriage and many times it's for the wrong reasons so join me again in this last segment as we talk about myth number seven, there's someone for everyone. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I hear the whispers in my door. Well, thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are finishing up this whole idea of myths of dating and really looking at what red flags might be and how to know the difference between maybe our fear, our own insecurities, our own injury, and what is legitimate red flags. So let's look at this last myth, myth number seven. And that is this idea that there's someone for everyone. And so there's this tendency especially for churches, to elevate marriage to something that is close to idolatry. And it, it becomes this idea that it is the end all, that that's the arrival point, that if you're, if you're not married, you're somehow substandard or there's something wrong with you or, or um, you don't have it all together and all the married people are the ones that are worthy to be loved and have somehow arrived. And if your marriage is failing or fails, that, you know, this is, this is close to, um, you know, having to wear the scarlet letter in some churches, that divorce and, and marriage failure is, is seen in many ways as the thing that shuts down your whole entire life and you are now no, no longer available for any service to God. So I really want you to understand that this idea that there's someone for everyone is not biblical at all in any way, shape or form. So it's a hope and it's a it's a dream that those of us that are single might want to buy into and say, well, you know, there's someone for everyone. And so I just have to keep hoping. It's really important that that we take stock of the calling that God has on our life. And if we are falling into the trap that being married is the thing that is going to launch my calling or being married is my calling or being married is the only thing that matters, being married and having children. Otherwise, I I am not uh, a worthy individual then we really want to take time and wrestle that out with God. Because until I get that settled with God, I'm going to have a tendency to pick all the wrong people because I'm just trying to find a person to fill that hole. You know, I'm trying to find the peg to put in the hole. A- and I'm going to be willing to tolerate and overlook many of the wrong things and and that in order to just fill that space. And so it's important that I understand that marriage is absolutely holy and sacred and it's a beautiful thing that god does when he when he puts two people together and decides that is what is best for them but that doesn't mean that everyone is going to be married and we have all kinds of biblical references you know we have matthew chapter 19 11 and 12 that talks about um how paul talks about marriage we have all different kinds of passages that talk about why not to be married and you know, if you if you can't control yourself, then go get married. And so, he, you know, we have the, the scriptural references that talk about how much energy a marriage takes. And that if, you know, if you are walking out the calling on your life, how much more difficult that might be if you add marriage to it. Now, obviously, in the same right, that can help the calling that's on your life as well. Because when you're in a good relationship, we know that in Ecclesiastes, it tells us that two are better than one and they they get more for their for their labor. And so what we want to always be coming back to is why am i pursuing a relationship with someone? Is it because i want to be completed? Is it because i don't think i'm enough? I don't i, I want to be loved. I want to have whatever the life dream that i keep envisioning I'm supposed to have and the only way i'll get it is if i'm married. So we have to understand that there are some people that really have no desire for married life, and are not called for married life. And we, we consider Jesus, Paul, the Pope, Mother Teresa. And there's many of us that don't think um, we're incomplete if we're single. And we might argue that our lives uh, were ve- are very meaningful not being married. And, and so it's, it's very important that you recognize, why is it that I am desiring to be married? And to not fall into this trap when I'm when I'm looking at other people and, and say these trite statements like, Oh, don't worry, there's someone for everyone. That there really may not be someone. And that might be because of the thing that God is doing in your life. And I know for myself, I, I certainly have walked to this out. I have was single the majority of my adult life and didn't get married until much later, in my late forties. And so it it's really imperative to understand that God really knows what he's doing and you really can trust him. He loves marriage, but he loves relationship more. And that's important to remember that God loves marriage, but he loves relationship more. And the type of relationship and relationships that he has for you are best for you. They are in the hardwiring of your DNA. You can trust the one that created you. So let's take the last part of the show, and we're going to look at the importance of dating defensively. So what would be some red flags that, that you might know, that you might recognize when you are dating? And this is part of when I talked about that objective criteria. You know, what are the facts about this person? And this, obviously, we have to have time with someone. Sometimes on the first date, you may find out enough. That's that's certainly true. But what about this one? He appears to be overly dependent on family members. Can't, can't make a decision without consulting the family. The family... Um, Maybe they are certainly able to make those decisions, but maybe their, their family of origin affects them tremendously. So they get pulled into a whole lot of things. There's a lot of complication and a lot of drama in that family. They don't have good boundaries. So what if they exhibit some excessive alcohol or drug use? And, it, and it's important to recognize the, the difference and what, would ex- what excessive is. Because we, you know, we have the First Corinthians um, chapter 10 i mean i'm sorry second corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 i believe it is that talks about this whole idea of everything is permissible but not everything is constructive so we want to see if it's constructive in this person's life if they indulge in alcohol and so how constructive is it or how destructive is it so it's not an issue necessarily of alcohol it's whether or not it's constructive now certainly drug abuse that's a that's a whole different story so you want to you also ask yourself, maybe a yellow, yellow flag or a yellow light, if we were looking at it in that way, is it they're recently divorced or they're broken up from a relationship? Well, that might be a caution. You know, we might have to say, you know, I may want to give that a little time. I may want to see how they are managing that, that breakup, that divorce. Uh, if they are just wanting to fill a slot and they just want to, like, get over their divorce by getting a new person, then that would certainly be a red flag. And so we would we want to really be careful w- that we don't get caught up in the way that society does it, where they say, hey, just go back out there and fix it. You'll, you'll feel a lot better. Just go find out that that person doesn't know what they're missing. And, and, and I wish it worked that way. But healing does not work that way. So it, it's really imperative that we look at how close that recent breakup or divorce is. So how about... How about this one? I love this one. Exhibits excessive use of media. What does that say about the person that you're going out on the date with them, and they are constantly looking at their phone or, or Facebook or the internet or you know Snapchat, and they're they're constantly looking at all their going through their apps, and and what does that say about this person that maybe they're not able to be present, uh, maybe they're not able to put media down and actually be present and relate to you. So certainly we can all have insecurities and none of us necessarily like to be in public all by ourselves doing nothing, but we want to look at when you're with this person, how do they manage media? So how about th- this, this issue? They avoid discussing their past or present, so um, they're kind of vague in, in many ways. You can't really seem to get a good feel for what's going on. And so it doesn't mean that we want someone that is rehashing all the details, but we really want someone to be able to talk about their life in context to be, have some resolution and not be afraid to share some, some more personal things about themselves because this is one of the ways this is how we get to know people. So how about this one? They exhibit frequent flirting, staring at others, or they seem to need constant attention. Uh, That would certainly be a red flag. And here we want to say, you know, what level is this? How, what is excessive? What is not excessive? Where, where do my insecurities fall into this? Um, maybe they're a gregarious person. They're a friendly person. They're an outgoing person. They're highly extroverted. But I want to also be in touch with that internal radar. What's going on with me? It just kind of feels weird. Just kind of feels for the wrong reasons. Or it feels needy. Uh, whatever that might be, but that, those are, that would be kind of a a yellow light that, you know, that says, I want to maybe be cautious about this. So how about this? They have uh, extensive credit card problems or credit problems, debt, shaky finances, you know, undergoing a bad time. Well, we want to really see what that's all about because the closer you get to combining your life with someone, you really want to have an awareness and an understanding of how they do finances. And so you don't want that person just says, oh, I don't even worry about them, they'll take care of themselves. We don't want to have someone that is so rigid that they're consumed with it. So we really want to see, does this person have an adult perspective on finances? And if they don't, are they willing to learn? See, this is always how we determine a red flag from a yellow, like a caution. And green is always the teachable, willing person, the humble person that says, hey, I'm always willing to change and let God make a change in my life. I'm always willing to look at myself to move on and to do whatever it is that I need to do to be the person that I need to be, the person you need me to be in a healthy manner. So how about, you want to find out, have they ever struck some member of the opposite sex in the past? Do they have, is there violence in their family of origin? Because these are really important things to understand. It doesn't mean that everyone that comes from a violent family is violent. We all have choices. We all get to create the adult life that we want, and it doesn't have to be the same as the childhood that we experienced. So those are the, but it's good information to have because we want to we want to understand what was that person trained in how to ma- ha- manage their emotions and how to manage stress. What did they learn growing up? And did they did they decide to do it differently as an adult? How about this? You know, they seem unreliable, don't follow through with prearranged plans, and they're constantly late. Now, you know, this is is difficult in some ways because we want to look at temperament issues. And different temperaments, you know, have a tendency to do time differently. And one of the things I do with much of the marriage counseling and the premarital that I do is temperament testing. And I usually use the Myers-Briggs and intuitive people that temperament is more intuitive they're more a big picture person they have a tendency to always be looking at the world of possibilities and they're always trying to fit everything in and so they have a tendency toward lateness they're not like on the minute and you know I always make a joke with all of my clients that I'm sure that at my funeral everyone everyone is going to come 10 minutes late in my honor because I really do struggle with time but that doesn't mean that I'm not in charge of my life it doesn't mean that I don't Make sure that I'm on time if, that's, if that is a, a really important issue. And I also can call and text and let people know. And so I'm very polite about it. So we want to really look at what is the issue of lateness or, or changing and not being following through with pre- prearranged things. What is it about being reliable? And let's look at that person in their totality and find out if there's a character issue. So how about this idea they interrupt and they don't listen. They talk about themselves and they never ask about you. Or what if they're unavailable through overwork or excessive interest or family or children? They don't manage their schedule. Or maybe you see some workaholism. And so always remember that these things are part of a process of learning the person and getting a whole picture of their life, giving people time to 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 show who they, to who they truly are. And so time is really the important thing when it comes to this issue of dating. And so we really want to be looking at the person in totality. So what I want you to think about from this entire show is the issue of time and trust, that we trust God with time and we trust God with our life. And I know that those are really kind of ambiguous things and you maybe are saying, Cynthia, that sounds great, but I'm really lonely And I really want to love somebody. And I really want to be loved by somebody. And I think those are true heartfelt cries that God takes very seriously. And it's important for us to be pressing into God and saying, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it this way. And I am hurting. And we work on that relationship with him. We work on that relationship with ourselves and with others. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week for our last